Thank you for joining us again for Stories from War Cloister. I'm your host, Jo Mullineux, from Winchester College Society. Today, I'm joined by Alex Rowe, Philite, 1972-75, and the college's obituarist. Alex is going to talk about another old Philite, Ronald MacDonald. The story of my great-uncle, Ronald MacDonald, is tragic, but his fate is typical of that which befell many of those young, regular army officers who set out in the British Expeditionary Force at the beginning of the Great War. Of the 25 officers in his battalion who left Edinburgh Castle at the commencement of hostilities, he was the last one to be killed or badly wounded within less than three months. 22 of his letters home have survived. He was born in 1890 in Bombay and came to Winchester in 1904, the first of ten Philites in his family. He was a house prefect and sang in glee club as alto soloist and was also an accomplished violinist. He left the school in the summer of 1909 and, after Sandhurst, was commissioned into the 1st Battalion Cameron Highlanders the following year. After the declaration of war, Ronald left for the front on 12th of August 1914, arriving at Lakato three days later to guard the headquarters of Field Marshal Sir John French, and then took part in the retreat from Mons. As he wrote, Our sole duty was to guard the staff from any surprise, and we had some first-class panics at times. He first saw action at the beginning of September. We bumped up against the Prussian guard who opened fire, but hit nobody. We moved to another wood with fixed bayonets and found some Germans who surrendered. They were all huge men. The Germans then retreated to the River Aisne as the Allies advanced, with Ronald complaining about the shelling. These shells, though they haven't a very great effect, make everyone in an awful funk. The Battle of the Aisne reached its intensity on 14th of September, which proved to be one of the bloodiest days of the war, with the Cameron Highlanders in particular suffering terrible casualties. Six Wickhamists were killed in the fighting that day, including three from Ronald's battalion. We were sent to attack the enemy's position over an absolutely open plateau swept by the enemy's rifle fire, which wasn't very good, and awful shell fire. The German gunners were prepared for us and had all their ranges marked out. I hope not to have to go through anything like that again. Ronald himself was badly wounded in the hand and was mentioned in dispatches as follows. Lieutenant MacDonald, A Company, after being wounded, was in a small house in Vendresse, which was being used as a dressing station, when the Germans started shelling it very heavily and the wounded had to be moved as quickly as possible to a safer place. He went with a Coldstream officer to help 2nd Lieutenant Constable Maxwell, who was lying severely wounded and unable to move. At great personal risk, they got him into his shoes and out of the house. MacDonald then put his arm round Constable Maxwell and dragged him down the road under a heavy shell and rifle fire, making full use of what little cover there was for nearly half a mile until he saw him safely into a cutting and on board an ambulance wagon 
which had been brought there. MacDonald could have run the whole distance in one-tenth the time it took him to get his brother officer along. Ronald was transferred to a general hospital in the west of France, where the nursing sisters were very nice. He wrote, I feel all the better for a week in hospital and some rest. I am trying to get some equipment, but there seems to be no chance of getting a sword or revolver again. I am also deficient of a Glengarry cap. I am now staying in a hotel where, of course, my kilt causes tremendous excitement among the inhabitants. He rejoined his battalion on 8th of October, although he found it depressing to return again to what seemed a different regiment, new officers and a new company. Trench warfare was setting in, as well as night-time patrolling. I was detailed to go out with a patrol to see whether the Germans had come in in Yera. When we got to a thin wood, I went on by myself, very silently, but found nothing. We were rather glad to get back. As part of the reorganisation of Allied forces, the BEF was transferred to Belgium to defend the left flank of the Western Front. Ronald's battalion moved by train, arriving in the Ypres sector on 19th of October. Heavy fighting started three days later, now known as the First Battle of Ypres with the Camerons yet again taking significant casualties, as described by Ronald in a letter of 28th of October, his last. I had the narrowest of shaves possible, being knocked out three times, first by a bullet above my head, and then past my ear, and lastly through my breast pocket. We lost about 300 men, and I am now the only officer who originally came out with the battalion. We then removed to different trenches and had to sit under the most awful shell fire. My trench was blown up and I was half buried. He goes on. Yesterday I captured six prisoners in a farmhouse. They are very harmless and all want the war to end soon. It is most exciting and at times very amusing, but it gets a bit boring after a while. On 2nd of November, near the village of Feltuk, Ronald was hit in the abdomen by sniper fire, becoming unconscious and dying within five minutes. As his commanding officer wrote to Ronald's mother, he died a soldier's death and nobody can wish a finer end than that. He was buried in the courtyard of a tobacco farm nearby, halfway between Ypres and Menin. The area was shelled heavily over the next four years and the exact location of his grave has never been found. Ronald is commemorated on the Menin Gate Memorial in Ypres. His Philite brother, my grandfather Stuart, had joined the Camerons at the outbreak of war and was very severely wounded at the Battle of Luce the following year. Thank you, Alex, for that deeply personal account of your great uncle. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stories from War Cloister. If you've enjoyed this podcast or would like to listen to previous episodes, we can be found on your preferred podcast app, where you can also subscribe to listen to them as soon as they're released. If you want to find out more about the old wicker misremembered in War Cloister, they can be found at winchestercollegeatwar.com. The link is in the show notes. <laughs>